um, we're, we're marching forward, and we're very, very glad about that. This week I am wearing the Bayside t-shirt, and uh, I, if you don't know, I'm wearing t-shirts, uh, except for last weekend I wore an olive tree t-shirt, but that was because I was preaching about olive trees. Um, I'm wearing the t-shirts of the churches that have such a huge uh, part in us, you know, continuing and pressing on and being a help. Bayside has been a huge help from the beginning, and they're actually, the church has been sending us a project manager every week, and um, yeah, and this week, Jennifer is here from Bayside, and she's in the back, and hi, Jennifer, and uh, what a relief that has been to me. This is the beginning of week number four. They, uh, they just take over all of the coordinating the volunteers, which I was doing previously, and it has been a huge blessing to me, so thank you, uh, Jennifer, and, and thank uh, Bayside for us, and uh, take plenty of pictures with Wee in their shirt so that they can, they can have it over there, all right? So that's cool. So speaking of that, so, you know, we've been pushing out volunteers since we started, and they've come from all over the state, really all over the country. It's been a fascinating thing to watch, and um, we had work orders from the beginning. And so I wanted to show you what we accomplished in the last six weeks. So these are the completed ones. That's cool, right? Yeah. I'm, there was probably more than that. In the very beginning, I wasn't as organized. And so uh, we were sending people out and doing stuff. But every one of those represents somebody being touched and blessed and cared for and loved on. And uh, I'll be talking about more of that today. But thank you. And so over the next few weeks, we still have volunteers coming. Even in the bad weather yesterday, we had 70 volunteers out. Um, we're getting close to... Uh, we've sent over 2,500 volunteers. We're heading towards 3,000. And uh, we have some scheduled for the next few weeks. However, then it's going to transition because, you know, we had hoped to be able to sort of do some of the projects and helping people put things back together, but um, that really needs to be handled by people that can pull permits and contractors and related to people in their houses. So there are organizations like Habitat for Humanity that actually is a contractor and can pull permits. So they will start picking up some of that stuff as we move forward. And uh, we're still doing some debris stuff, and we're doing some chainsawing. If we've put in a request we haven't got to you, put in another one, because maybe something happened. Maybe we tried to get there, and we didn't get there. Or sometimes, you know, the volunteers, um, we can't, you know, always match up to the requests. But um, keep that going on, and Jennifer will be out there today. Fill out another form. We'll get you in the system, and we can go from there. And the neat thing is now the system that we plugged into... If uh, we can't get you over time, we'll drop all of them into the main system and the other organizations will pick them up that sort of do this thing long term. And uh, that's going to be great. And we can go back to doing... Because we got like Night of Thanks is coming up in three and a half weeks. And that's a pretty big deal for the community. We'll, we'll get more on that soon. That's the big thing we do on Wednesday night with a concert on two big seatings and feed everybody turkey in the community. And I'm, I'm thinking it'll be busy this year. Like, like every other year, but we could be even busier this year. So we're, we're gearing up to think about that. All right, uh, let me get my timer going. And uh, last week, we talked about green olive trees, which was fun for us to talk about. And I, I sort of said, you know, when someone asks you how you're doing or how you doing, uh, 
that what I wanted you to think about was like a green olive tree, even if you, you don't have to say it, but you can, you can think it. Some of you say it. And the reason I said that is how amazing green olive trees are. You know, they're, they're tenacious and they're steadfast and you, they can survive the winds and they survive the floods and you, you can't take them out and they have, they're very well grounded and founded and they, you know, they have root systems that are a couple thousand years old like us uh, in Christ. And uh, they're just amazing sort of thing to think about and, and they're used in so many practical ways. Uh, and so I wanted you to think about that as we kind of continued on in this journey that just like a green olive tree, man, we're steadfast in the presence of the Lord and that's what He lets us do. And one of the things that I'd said last week is that they use uh, oil from the olives to light lamps. And um, one of the things in the Old Testament was they were to continually bring this oil to keep the lamps burning continually. Um, and like that, we're to be, like green olive trees, we're to be a light into the world around us. The light of Jesus is to shine through us to impact the world around us. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that today. And we're going to use an encounter that Jesus has in the Gospel of John with a man born blind. So that's where we're heading in just a moment. We'll be in John 9 if you want to find your way there before we get there. Bad joke time, because if I don't do bad jokes, and these are very bad jokes, let me just preface these by saying these are bad jokes. I walked into a hardware store the other day and I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to buy some nails, please. And the person behind the counter said, well, how long do you want them? And I was like, well, I, I want to keep them. <laughs> We're going to be talking a little bit about perspective today. So, so why don't you ever see hippopotamus hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. That's the one you'll remember. It's okay. Scripture reading here on purpose, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, they were talking to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So I want to talk about some of the things that are happening in that encounter with you. Uh, and to deal with sort of the, the way that we think through situations like we're experiencing right now um, because our thinking needs to be more like Jesus so that we can continue to be the light into the world, that His light will shine through us. So I want to start by talking about, first point in your notes, cause and effect thinking. Cause and effect thinking. So in the beginning of John 9, 1 and 2, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, the disciples asked Jesus this question because this is sort of the thinking of the established religious community of the day. And what they believed was that if um, people are doing right, they're going to be rewarded, and um, if people are doing wrong, they're going to be punished. And so from that, what they take 
away from that, their takeaway was that any personal disasters that people were experiencing were an evidence of sin, and any type of prosperity that people were experiencing were a sign of God's approval. So that's where their thinking had taken them in this journey. And so this is why they asked this question to Jesus. Here's this guy, born blind, and they're saying, whose fault is it? Is it his fault, or is it his parents' fault that caused the problem? And their thinking is that there has to be somewhere to place the blame um, on, on this problem. There has to be something that's at fault, someone's at fault, and they want to know who it is. Now, that type of thinking still impacts us today. It, it might not be as severe as it is in this particular question. We might not ask that. But we are still very much performance-oriented in our thinking. And um, we, we think that uh, when we're doing good things, then good things ought to happen. And if we're doing bad things, well, we still hope good things happen, but we sort of maybe get that that's the process. But in order to continue to be the light uh, of the world, that Jesus shines through us, we have to sort of settle in some of the big questions in life. And these are the kind of questions that we ask where the people ask, particularly in situations like we're dealing with now. Like, why do bad things happen? How does a God who claims to be good allow so much evil in the world? And why doesn't He do something about it? And these are questions that people ask and that, that we sort of need to be settled in so that His light can shine through us. So we have to deal with our performance orientation. And, you know, we, we still get that where understand how it works. Like, like when we were children, I don't know about you and your children, but when I was a child, if I got good grades in school, there was usually a prize for that. Like when I was really little, if I got good grades, I would get a matchbox car. I was, that, I remember that just now. I used to collect matchbox cars, and that was my reward. Things have changed, right? Now you probably get, you, you need $100. But uh, back then it was a 50 cents matchbox, and I was all in, right? And so you start to get used to being rewarded for performing well, and I'm not saying it's all wrong, I'm just saying it changes the way that we think and we need to learn to think more like Jesus and we're going to talk about that more as we go. So the thought process then, well if I'm basically a good person, I'm basically doing well, then good things ought to, ought to happen all the time. And I shouldn't have to deal with tragedies and hardship and pain or suffering. And you know there's some truth to that because if we're living by trying to do the next right thing, then good things are more likely to happen but not guaranteed. And the reason there's no guarantee for those things is because we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. And things are no longer perfect. Now you need to know that God created things perfectly. When God created everything, it was good, but sin entered the world and messed up the entire deal. It changed everything. And in effect, the world has fallen, the planet is broken because sin entered the world. That process is not God's fault. That's our fault. Sin entered the world because, um, see, God wanted people to choose to love Him. He wants to be in relationship with everyone, but He didn't want to force that relationship on anyone. He wanted people to choose that relationship and to, to desire to be with Him forever. That's the, the reason that we're created. And so even when he created everything good, uh, and he set Adam and Eve up in the garden, uh, and, and he said, you know, everything is good, one thing, don't eat from that tree. There's just this one little, just stay away from that tree. And people go, oh, mean God. But he wasn't. It was like, yes, 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 no. 
That was it. Just stay away from there. Because that was the choice. See, we all had to make a choice. Now they could choose to listen and do what he asked them to do and, and continue to be in relationship with him, a perfect relationship they were experiencing with one another and with him. Or they could choose to go their own way and do their own thing. And guess what they ended up choosing? That thing. And everything changed. And all of us have done that same thing ever since. We've, we've all taken our own shot at trying to sort of be God in our lives. And that's caused the perfect world to fall and live in the state that it lives now. Um, we desire pain-free white picket fence living. Someone was telling me like they had all sorts of damage but their white picket fence survived. And I was like, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I am. That's okay. The house, not so much. Picket fence. But see, that, that's really a future promise, Revelation 21.4, where it says that He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death, but mourning, crying, pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So that's a future promise, and, and we are still living in a fallen world, broken planet. So, so we have issues. Now, we have a longing for those things because we know they're part of who we are, but um, we, we're still in this temporary world, and so we're experiencing other things. But our motivation for doing the next right thing can't be all about immediate temporary rewards and pain-free living because if it is anytime we don't experience those things we get angry with God and we get frustrated with God and, and it causes you know a problem between us that we're taught to pray and we know to pray not my will but yours be done and I think that we we pray that I think that's a little hard to carry out sometimes because we sort of mean I shouldn't speak for all of you, but sort of when we pray, not my will, but yours be done. But God, I think my will is like pretty good. And so if you don't have any other, you know, sort of things going on, I wish you would amen that. And we could say it was your will, but it could be mine and I would be happy and all would be well because I have a pretty good plan going on. Nobody thinks like this but me? Okay. So, <laughs> so it's our, our, our motivation for living by doing the next right thing is an immediate reward. What it is, is it's a response to the love that God has already um, poured out on us and a response to what He's done for us at the cross. You see, at the cross, He's given us a future and a hope. In effect, He's already given us the very best thing He could give us, which is eternal life. He's given us a way to be reconciled to Him, to have life with Him forever, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we went and did our own thing and went our own way and basically turned our back on Him. He's made a way for us to be reconciled to Him because He loves us and he wants to be in relationship with us. And, and so as we sort of understand that, and, and that, that our motivation isn't pain-free living, but our, our motivation is just living for him in whatever the situation, we can begin to see how God uses even the most difficult situations in our lives, not only to impact us, but to impact the world around us for him. And see, that's a huge thing for us to get a hold of. You know, um, I, I can't tell you that I would, I would say, hey, God, I really, you know, I love seeing you move so much here. It's been so cool to watch him do miracles, which he's been doing, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, the hurricane was like all good with me. Uh, I'm not telling my pastor friends, wow, you ought to pray for a hurricane because it's just awesome to see what takes place. Uh, <laughs> I would have I rather a different sort of scenario, but here it came, fallen world, broken planet, here it was, 
And it's been amazing to watch God move in it. Now, I know a lot of you are going through hard times still, and I get that. And I'm, you know, I, my heart breaks uh, the, the things that are, that are hurting you. And I, I, if I could, I would just fix everything right away, but it's way beyond me to do that. But, but even so, I watch how God takes these things and is touching people's lives in ways for the kingdom and for ways. Like, like all these folks that I showed you. That's why I showed you that in the beginning. It's almost too heavy to lift. Um, God used this mess to reach out to these people that we may never have reached out to before. Uh, we've met people that we might never have met before. We have opportunities to sow seeds into people's lives that we may never have. And so, even though I would rather it didn't happen the way that it did, and I, I get all the difficulties that have come from it, God still uses those things uh, in, in the bigger picture, and we need to grab a hold of that because we live in a bigger picture. See, we live in His story, not just our own little story. And so we have to sort of get a hold of that. Why do bad things happen? Sin entered the world. Our fault, not God's. How does a God who claims to be good allow so much evil in the world? That ability He gave us to choose and make choices, it's called free will, by the way. He can't suspend that arbitrarily just to everything goes. It's, it was out there so people could choose to love Him or not. It's an eternal decision and, and we choose to love Him or not. And He eternally responds to the choice that we make. That's how God does it. He's a good God in the process. But why doesn't He do something about it? He has. He went to the cross. He's already done it. See, He's fixed what needed to be fixed. Everything else is temporary. He's coming back someday to set that back right too. But in the meantime, He's already given us everything we needed at the cross. He's made a way back for us. Until we kind of grab a hold of that thinking, we'll have some difficulty allowing the light to shine through us so it's important that we get that on, uh, in, in what's taking place. So, I want to give you some perspective. Like, second point is this. How, how the light of the world sees situations. How Jesus sees this situation, this encounter. John 9, 3 through 5. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. See, Jesus sees the man born blind, and what he does is he just reaches out and ministers to him. The, the light of the world, the light of life, sees people in need, loves them, reaches out to them, extends the kingdom of God to them, but isn't so concerned with where the blame needs to go. Uh, see, the question's different. It's not why, and, and it's not, well, whose fault is it, and it's not all those other things. It's just like, here's a situation that God can move into. God, we just want to see you move and, and use us and you know, be with us and encourage us and do all those things that you do, rather than trying to point fingers and blame and everything else. It changes the way we think. That's how Jesus thought about it. How can God take the situation that we're in and use it to His glory? How can God do that? Well, He's God, and we need to trust that He will do it, and that He does do it, and look for Him to do it, and that's where we find life. And so Jesus ministers to this guy, and as I told you, He, he made some mud um, out of His spit. He loved that about Jesus. He picked up some dirt Come here, buddy. Before you spit on anybody, you better be very confident that they're going to get healed. <laughs> or you got some splaining to do. You make sure that's the Lord. <sighs> but Jesus was seven. Boom. Now go rinse that off in a pool of Siloam and watch what happens. And boom, he's healed. So cool. But see, people that are caught in that cause and effect thinking trap, 
They don't see it like Jesus sees it. Look what happens. And I, I'm going to look at the Pharisees, the established religious community. John 9, 13 through 16. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind, no longer blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he'd received his sight. Ah, he put mud on my eyes. And the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. So there's that performance trap they're stuck in. You don't do things on the Sabbath. And here's Jesus who's saying that's not the issue. And he, does, he violates the Sabbath in two ways, at least that time. He heals on the Sabbath, which they didn't care for him doing. And he made mud on the Sabbath, which was definitely not allowed. It was work. So they're saying, this guy can't be from God because he's not following the program, the rules, the, the sort of cause and effect thing that's going on. And, and so all they could think about was Jesus not following the rules. And what are they missing? Here's a guy that had been born blind who's now seeing in front of them. They're the established religious community. They should have been going, wow, look what God has done. You can see. And they didn't even, it didn't even get a mention. They were just like, eh. They can't be God. Well, what do you mean? That's the issue. So they're so stuck that they, they can't get to the bigger picture and, and allow the light of the world who's standing in their midst to be seen through them. They're spiritually blind. How does the guy born blind see it all? That's point number four. So look at the impact that the light of the world has on the man born blind. Because I'm, I'm telling you, we're to be that light. We're called to be the light. His light shines through us. What's the impact that happens when we get our thinking around this? So look what takes place. John 9, 10, and 11. They ask him, how then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. So I like this. So who, how did this happen? Well, this guy, Jesus... Don't really know much about Jesus, but this guy, Jesus, he did it, I did it, boom, I can see. So, verse 17, they turned again to the blind man, because they don't like the response. I read you what they said, she can't be from God. Well, well, so they go to the blind guy, well, what, what have you got to say about him? It was your eyes he opened, and the guy said, well, I, yeah, I guess he's a prophet. It's a guy named Jesus, I, I guess he's a prophet. He's standing in front of the established religious community. And he goes away, and then they call him back, because they're not settled at all. John 9, 24 through 34. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said, which he's already been doing. Because we know this man, talking about Jesus, is a sinner. Big, think about that for a moment, but then come back. So, he replied, the blind man says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I love this. I was blind, but now I see. Now, he's been seeing for a little while, and he's feeling pretty good about it. You know what I'm saying? I think maybe initially he was a little shocked, like those people could undo his, you know, his healing or something, so he was being a little careful. But now he's seeing, and these guys are giving him a hard time. He goes, I don't really know, but I was blind. Now I see. How are you going to deal with that? And so they, they go like that. They ask him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Because this couldn't have happened on the Sabbath. He couldn't have broken the rules and had this happen. He answers, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? You, you like it? He's giving it to him now. I don't know where you're heading with this, but here we go. Check it out. Hold up fingers. I can tell you that's four. I'm good. That's two. You're this fellow's disciple, they said. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. 
And the guy says, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opens my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That's the blind guy figuring it out. To this they replied, this is terrible. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. He didn't fit with the way that they thought about things. And they went right back to that terrible way of thinking was, it was all your fault that you were blowing anyway because you were obviously steeped in sin at birth or it wouldn't have happened. Out you go. We're not going to deal with you. But look who finds him. I love this. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, I hope that stops you just for a moment. That Jesus, fully God, fully man, the creator of everything, the word that spoke things into existence, who came to, to save us, that was his mission. Jesus hears how they treated this guy, and he drops everything, and he goes and he looks for him until he finds him. Jesus is always pursuing us. Do you know that? He, he never stops. Even if you just feel like you've been thrown out of something, Jesus will pursue you and make sure that you know that you're His and that He loves you and that He's got you and that He's for you and that He's with you. And He goes after this guy who the established religious community had kicked out and, you know, just the horrific insults. And He says this when He found him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Your translation might say, Do you believe in the Son of God? And the, the blind man says, Who is He, sir? So that I may believe in Him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Do you see the amazing process that the light of the world has on the man born blind? He starts with some guy named Jesus. Ah, boom, I can see. I think he's a prophet. He's got to be from God. He's a man from God. And he is the son of God or the Son of Man. That's a messianic title, by the way. He gets it. He gets why Jesus has come and that life is found in Him. What a powerful, powerful question. Do you believe? And I just want to encourage you. Listen, believe in Jesus all in, regardless of the circumstance of life that you find yourself in, because that's where life is found. And as you do, let the light of the world shine through you to help those around you to believe, to go from some guy named Jesus Maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's from God. He is the Son of God. So that they can find life too. Amen? Amen.